on your right, I'm blessed to be seated to, next to you. On your left, it is your privilege to sit next to me. Would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, not often, tell your person and left, not often you've got a chance to sit next to me. So it's your privilege. Amen, isn't it? But what a joy, what a blessing. Today is such a special day because today is Pentecost Sunday. And not only is Pentecost Sunday, today is also Aldersgate Sunday. Right, because Oldest Gay Day is May 24th in the Methodist calendar. It's a high point of the Methodist calendar actually throughout the whole world because on that day, May 24th, 1738, John Wesley felt his heart strangely warmed. He felt he did touch Christ, Christ alone for his sin, and the law of sin and death has set him free, right, from the law of sin and death. And so, friends, you know, it's a high point, and that's the start of John Wesley's ministry in a powerful manner across the UK and everywhere else God will lead and guide him. So it's a very important day in the life of the church, which is, I think, so, so important, so wonderful indeed, isn't it? All right? And uh, I was first here speaking to get Mr. Amara Singham in 1985. How many were here? Can I see your hands? How many were here? Oh, there are a few specimens of Jurassic Park species still around. Thank God. For the rest of you, welcome to Jurassic Park, where cavemen roamed the earth, Okay. I could see some of you that I could recognize. Some of you, your hair like mine is running away from us. So once upon a time, we all got long hair. Now we're all longing for hair, isn't it? God have mercy, help us. Also, once upon a time, we all men got our six packs. Now we're struggling with our one pack, isn't it? <laughs> Never mind. Once upon a time, remember Rolling Stones. How many remember Rolling Stones, the bank, the rock band? Wow, so many of you. So once upon a time, remember Rolling Stones. Now we are struggling with kidney stones, isn't it? God help us have mercy. Once upon a time, we remember everything. But nowadays, when we come downstairs of our double-story building, we say, why did I come downstairs for? How many of you can identify with that? See your hands. How many of you? Say to your neighbor, the hand is not up. Your turn will come soon. <laughs> yeah. Time moves by. Just a flick of an eye. Time passed by so, so quickly. And that's the reality of it all. In a blink of an eye, I'm in my 70s. So, so it's so important to maximize our time, our life for God's kingdom. Isn't it? And this is where, friends, you want to learn from John Wesley. All right? Investments that last. What does he give himself to? What does he invest himself in that is so important to make sure it lasts, all right? not just for a lifetime. It could last as long as possible as God gives us grace, mercy, love, and goodness, which is, I think, so very important for all of us, okay? And then we will skip the Bible reading that has been so well read. Maybe let's read again together. Is it okay? All right, thank you for our brother Giam Lam who read so well. I knew Giam Lam since 1980 onwards. Those were the days of Jurassic Park, really, okay? So it's one of those rare specimens in your church. Treasure him very carefully, okay? All right, all right, these are those very rare specimens. Let's read together in our loudest, most robust, okay? Trinity voices together, it's okay? One, two, three, let's go. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Father, we ask that you, by your Spirit, take your word and speak to us and challenge us, Father, I pray, and draw us all in response, O oh God, I ask our Father in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Friends, you know, as you look at the life of John Wesley, which we did yesterday, actually, we had a fantastic time together. It is so important to know what he gave himself to. All right? Right, what he's really fully devoted to at the heart of it, friends, it is a concern for souls of human beings. It is a concern, friends, for salvation of each and every one. He gave himself so fully, so deeply, so completely to the work, it's unimaginable. He worked so hard for over 50 years to give life solely, friends, for the salvation of as many souls as possible. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes he comes in from ministry, from another town, another city. He comes midnight, all right, on his horse, and he Okay, rode on the horse for 250,000 miles right, in his lifetime of ministry, which is what? Ten times around the earth, around the equator. Ten times around the No one has ridden the horse for that long. So much so that you know what happens? Right, one, one event, he came middle of the night into town, right, parked his, his horse there, went to sleep. 4 a.m. he was out getting ready to move on to another ministry. When he got, what happens? He's trying to shake his horse up. The horse has no more energy to carry on. All right. Even the horse cannot tahan the pace he was running. So he has to change horses again and again. And that horse that morning could not carry on anymore. Do you know what happens? At four something in the morning, John Wesley looked for another horse to take him on in the work and ministry of the kingdom. 
That's a kind of man, friends. It's amazing. All right? Giving himself fully holy for the saving of souls, for evangelism. Friends, you know, simply, what is evangelism? Simply, evangelism, okay, is, uh, right, it is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting God for the results. Just simply sharing. That's what evangelism is. Sharing the good news of Christ, isn't it? And trusting that God, the Holy Spirit, will work in the lives of these people, touching them, breaking through, and drawing them to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, friends, you know, why is it you and I must evangelize? Very much like John West had given his whole life to it. Why is it must evangelize? At least two reasons, okay? First reason, it is sharing in the heart of God, sharing in the very heart of God Himself. Why? Because John chapter 3, that we're familiar, John chapter 3, verse 16, but 17 is very often overlooked. And so John 3, 16 and 17, where it says to us like this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. See, friends, God gave His Son, Jesus, to the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, friends, you know, God's heart is not a condemnation of the world, but a salvation of the whole world. But sadly, sometimes we know, not everyone will accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people not only resist you, some people will fight you even. How many of you have experienced this before? People who resist you, not interested, sometimes will, will quarrel with you. How many have experienced it before? See your hands. Wow. You mean so many not so nice people in Penang? Huh? All right. Trying to share, they not really, okay, resist you, or even fight you like that. But never mind. This is God's heart. His heart is for the whole world to want to see them safe, really, which is so important. And that's why, friends, when you are involved in sharing the good news of Christ, we are really participating in the very heart of God. But there's a second reason why that is important for us. It is in order to make sure that people are not lost to a crisis eternity. Friends, you know, that's a nice way of saying, really, they're not lost to hell, right? Human beings have only two destinies, either heaven or hell. That's a reality. Nobody runs away from it. And that's why, friends, you know, as Apostle Paul tells us like this in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, he writes in this manner, For he, referring to Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ came for this one and one purpose only, for the salvation of everyone, so that nobody, friends, is lost to the kingdom of darkness, is lost to the kingdom of Satan, is lost to hell, but that everyone may be saved. Friends, you know, that's indeed the commitment, the whole sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, so the whole world may be saved, so that as much as possible, Everyone is destined for heaven and never for hell. Friends, that's why you and I must evangelize. Because why? It is participating not only in the heart of God. It is wanting to see no one, friends, being lost to a crisis eternity, which is really a nice way of putting, all right? Uh, they thought about the whole area of hell for all of us. Now, what is the problem in a church about evangelism? All right? There are at least three problems I find in a church about evangelism. Why is this the case? First problem is that we have turned evangelism into a program. All right? Like Alpha, like uh, EE, Evangelism Explosion, and so many other programs. No, nothing wrong with the programs. I encourage programs. I champion it. In fact, I sit on the board of Alpha Malaysia. All right? So I believe in programs. These are great programs, right, that we must have, we must continue to have. All right? Okay, but you know what happens? Sometimes we turn evangelism into a program only. That's all we do about evangelism. Let's run program after program. But friends, you know, you don't see this in Scripture. And I will prove to you as to why. But since the problem is that we turn to a program, so that when you want to reach out and share the good news of Jesus Christ with your friend, you have to wait for another Alpha course to start before you can do it. But you don't see this in Scripture. All right? Evangelism, the church sometimes turns into a program. That's where the problem is. It is not the life and the lifestyle of John Wesley, actually. Secondly, friends, you know what? We turn evangelism into an event. And what is this? Sometimes special three-day Christmas outreach. Sometimes very special two-day Easter outreach. Right now, all right? Or very, very special, okay, uh, event like a crusade in a stadium or crusade in a big, huge Day 1 Sri Pinang and all this. And I've spoken to one, actually, a big meeting, Day 1 Sri Pinang in 1992. And so we turned this into, a, into an event. 
a one night, a two nights, a three nights event. Nothing wrong with that. Again, I support that. All right? And so in DUMC, for example, we have many evangelistic outreaches during Christmas, during Easter, whatever else. Great. But friends, again, don't turn it into an event only. Because if you turn to event, you want to reach out to your friends to share the good news of Jesus Christ who are not Christians, then you wait for the next Christmas to share with them if that Christmas event is over, is it? You don't see these friends in Scripture. We must not turn evangelism into a program. Or do nothing wrong, I support it. We must not turn only into event, all right? But friends, you know what? That's the third problem. The third problem is that sometimes we have turned evangelism and relegated to the experts, the so-called evangelists. People like Pastor Victor Wong like that, who is getting to share Jesus anywhere and everywhere. And if there's no one to share, he will share the lizards and cockroaches on the wall. Listen, some people, friends, you know, all right, uh, will just leave it to other people. Uh, Pastor, I'm not like that one. I'm not like this guy, okay? Uh, all right, Tan Chong Jing. He will share with anyone and everyone. For me, what kya su, kya si, kya bo, sometimes kya bo, also no, 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 kya bo. All right, yes, I'm scared. I, I, I'm shy. I'm nervous. I don't know how to start. And sometimes when I start, I even start wrongly. All right? Okay? I'm not that kind that will share anyone, everyone. How many of you like that? Can I see your hands? You are shy to talk about Jesus with people. Hey, so few hands only. Huh? Hey, you're in church. You know, can I tell lies one? Okay? <laughs> All right. Okay. Rewind. Rewind. How many of us, sometimes we are shy. Sometimes we are nervous about sharing Jesus with our friends, our colleagues, our classmates, our neighbors. See your hands. Come on. Okay? That's better, isn't it? Friends, can I say, I was like that too. Right? Talk about shyness. I was like that, very nervous. All right? I don't open my mouth. I can talk anything under the sun, from politics to potatoes, but Jesus cannot come at all. I struggle like crazy, and God has to teach me. All right? And continue to help me along, right? In this whole area of evangelism. Listen, why is it you don't see this in Scripture, that evangelism is not just a program event or you relegate to experts, so-called apostles, Paul and Barnabas, or John Wesley, in this case here for all of us, right, from a Methodist church. We find, friends, in Scripture, evangelism really for you and I, okay, uh, for all of us, right, is seen as a lifestyle. All right, as a lifestyle. It's a natural part of your life and living. One example, Acts chapter 8 and in verse 4, this is what we read, okay. Those being scattered as a result of persecution. You see, Stephen was martyred in Jerusalem as a bear witness, okay, to the amazing work of God and how God reaches out to save as many people as possible. But some of the people there, many people cannot tahan him and try to kill him. In fact, stone him to death. And because of this, persecution broke out in Jerusalem. All right? Believers were attacked. Those who come to faith were attacked okay, by the other Jews around. And so what happens? Believers had to scatter themselves all over the place. And here's a record for us in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. You see, friend, believers, wherever they went, they shared Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere. Anytime, every time. Isn't it? And therefore, that's what I tried to do. All right? To share Jesus anywhere I go, which is so important as much as possible. Isn't it? All right? That in that sense, we must seize all these opportunities earlier to talk to share Jesus with these people. Like years ago, this guy come to sell me insurance policy. All right, I could see he worked really hard to try to sell me this insurance policy. I said to him at the end of his great efforts, I said, You know what? I've got a better policy to sell you. That policy guaranteed not just for life here, guaranteed for all eternity. All right, somewhere on top of that, you know what? My policy, no need premium required. Wow, what is that? Yeah, Jesus offers you right now. Guaranteed, wonderful thing. Salvation for now and eternity, uh, guaranteed likewise. Don't you want it? You're a smart guy. You want to invest in it. Amen? Hey, not convincing. Amen? It is seen as a lifestyle. Really. We see this in Scripture again and again, which is so important. Now, what happens is that there are two forms of evangelism, two forms of sharing our faith with people around. What are the two forms? The first form of evangelism is what I call visual evangelism. Witnessing by our life and our lifestyle. Is it? Just by people looking at us, they can tell us more or less, that guy must be a Christian. Especially coming from Trinity Methodist Church, Penang. And all you people say, hey, not very convincing, and all you people say, yeah, if, look, look at this guy, unusual guy. So warm, so friendly, so loving, so thoughtful, so kind, so generous. 
this is an amazing guy, never come across. All right, must be from DMC, like Daniel Koo, like that. All right, okay, or oh, TMC. All right. Yeah, I baptized him in DMC, man. Yeah, he's so good. How can he be so good? Must be a Christian. Not only that, must be from Trinity Methodist Penang, like that. So, say, well, friends, can I say that is not enough? Why is it the case? Because not just Christians are good people. There are many others who are good people as well. There are Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, including atheists, who are good people. Am I right? Yeah. So friends, can I say, not just Christians are good people. Many others, right, are also good people. Some who attack you about Christian faith, they could be very good people as well. So friends, can I say, Visual evangelism is not enough. Witnessing just by our life lifestyle. Let people look at me, Pastor, that's enough. I, okay, I'm not your kind. You know, talk about Jesus one. Let people look at me. They can tell me. They can tell that I'm a Christian. But friends, you know, as I said, many others who are not Christians also have wonderful life and lifestyles as well. So friends, witnessing visually, letting people look at us is not enough. There's another form of evangelism you must do, which is what I call, friends, verbal evangelism, which is what? opening our mouth to talk about it, opening our mouth to share Jesus with people. Why? Because when we do that, then people connect with what they see, with what they hear. They say, aha, I see Christians like that one. Oh, I see. Okay. And friends, this is so important indeed for all of us that visual evangelism is not enough. We must be engaged in verbal evangelism, just opening our mouth, share, talk with different people around, which is so important for us to say. And therefore, friends, finally, how do we go about doing it? All right? Learning from John Wesley, likewise in this regard here, how do you and I go about, okay, sharing our faith, the good news of Jesus Christ, with as many people as possible? How do we develop, how do we cultivate such a lifestyle? Okay? Let me give you some steps. All right? How can we cultivate this kind of lifestyle so that sharing the good news of Jesus becomes something natural, something automatic? Right, something part of a life and living, which is very important for all of us. The first, friends, for you and I is to pray and be empowered. All right? Everything starts with prayer. Can good amen for that? Isn't it? And then be empowered. Empowered by what? Empowered by whom? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Okay, Dr. Du writes this for us okay, in this manner. All right? This was Jesus saying to the disciples, all right, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Then, all right, this is what Jesus says to them before Jesus was taken up to heaven finally. And this is the record for us. Jesus said to the disciples, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus tells his disciples to pause, to wait in Jerusalem, to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And then you receive power. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Friends, you know, this is what I struggle with about evangelism in the early days. As I said, I can talk anything under the sun except Jesus. I struggled like crazy for many years, and you just felt something is not quite right. Then, friends, you know, I read one day Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, I've read this passage countless of times, many, many times. But one day, friends, it hit me like a thunderbolt. Suddenly, I said, my goodness. Jesus says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon Then you be my witnesses. Suddenly, friends, I got a wake-up call. I said, that's what I need. And so on that day, friends, you know what I pray? Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and baptize me. Come and empower me. All right? And give me the freedom to share, to talk about you with different people around that I meet. Now, friends, you know, when after I pray that prayer, I don't become an overnight fiery evangelist. But I start somewhere. Just start that. So, friends, what is the key to do evangelism? Nike slogan. What is Nike slogan? Hey, you are so nice, wonderful people. Don't memorize it. Only memorize Bible only. Okay? What is Nike slogan? Young people, just, just do it right now. Just do it. That's what it is. So, therefore, I learn. I learn to just do it. So that anywhere, everywhere, I just do it. I just start. When I start, sometimes I bumble along. All right? I was nervous. I was scared. I was afraid. What in case if you ask me questions, I couldn't answer. All right? And, and, and make a fool of myself, as it were. But I just start. All right? Little by little. And friends, you know what? The more you do it, what happens? 
the more natural it becomes. So that slowly, slowly, what happens? It becomes a natural part of your life. It becomes actually your lifestyle. And so nowadays, what happens is says that, okay, uh, if I don't share Jesus after a few weeks, I tabulate the hand. I got to look for people to share. Okay, like that. You know what I mean? And so once I went to this restaurant, uh, a coffee shop, okay, in PJ, nearby DUMC for lunch when I was a, when I was a past, I went alone on that day. And so I went to that coffee shop. I stood outside the five-foot pathway. I looked into a coffee shop. I prayed, Lord, which table should I sit? Oh, people say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Go, go to the coffee shop, eat, go to pray one. Nah. Hey, pray lah, hello. So I prayed, Lord, which table should I sit? And I saw a table with one Indian guy there. Thank you, God. I'm going to join that guy. Friends, can I say, when you go alone for, for meal for your wonderful, okay, uh, all these food courts around, friends, can I say, never look for an empty table. Very sinful to look for an empty table. Oh. Look for a table with one person, go and join that guy. Lah. Amen. Hey, no, amen. Amen. Isn't it? Okay? So I saw the table alone. So I got my food. I went towards him. I, Excuse me, can I join you? And like all good friendly Malaysians, yeah, yeah, sure, of course, why not? But sometimes, you know, you take a food, you go and join the guy in the West. Okay, join the Oran Putih guy in the West. Can I join you? You know what happens? Sometimes Oran Putih guys, can, can you not sit in all the other tables? Why you come and disturb me? But Malaysians very friendly. Oh. You don't look very friendly this morning here, been hanging <laughs> Okay, right now. Yeah, yeah, please sit down. You know what happens? So, right, he sat down. So I sat down. So I said to him, you're having lunch? Uh? He said, I'm also having lunch. Uh. I said, uh, uh, by the way, what's your name? Mutu. Good to meet you, Mutu. My name is Daniel Mutu. All right. Uh, what do you do, Mutu? I'm a van driver. Oh, really? What company you work for? He says, I work for MBJ. I say, I know the company. MBJ stands for Malambule Jalan. Yeah, really. He almost fell off the chair. Oh, he said, how come you're so smart one? Very few people know MBJ. How come you know MBJ? I said, you know why? Pastor, very clever. He said, why is a pastor? I said, Gurija, you know, the one who takes care of a church. Oh, pastor called Gurija, okay? It's called pastor. One takes care of Gurija called pastor, I see. So I said to him, Mutu, by the way, are you a Christian? He says, no, I'm Indian. Of course, I know you're Indian with the name Mutu. What do you expect? Okay, a Chinese, a Japanese, or a Vietnamese. Of course, I know you're Indian. No, what I mean is, Mutu, are you a Hindu or a Christian? Oh, I'm Hindu. Chatted, talk. I gave me my call card, showed to him. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, I'm a van driver. I know everything at the back of my palm. That's great. Mutu, I hope to look forward to see you. Shake your hands, your wife, and the two young children in Ruby Cinema at that time. Welcome you, okay? As he was walking away, Mutu said, See, la, got time, I will come. That's a nice Malaysian way of saying thanks and no thanks. <laughs> All right. Then you know what? Within one minute, within one minute after Mutu has left, a Chinese guy came to my table with his food and said to me, Excuse me, can I join you? Oh, I was so happy. Oh, I pray for one, God gave me two. That day, this is amazing, you know. As he sat down, I was so very happy. I was thanking God like crazy. I said, God, you are so good. I pray for one you gave me two. As he sat down, I said, You're having your lunch? Yeah, I'm also having my lunch. I said, Hi, my name is Daniel. What's your name? He said, My name is Kenneth. Then, you know what? He held my hand. He refused to let my hand go. I said, What is this guy up to? Then he said to me, Are you the Daniel Ho of NECF? You know what? My heart sank after that. It means he's a Christian. It means he knows me. He's a Christian. I was so sad after that. I told God, God, why you send a Christian to my table? Send Christian to Daniel Ku's table and Pastor Shen, everybody else. Send non-Christian to my table. I want to talk to them, share with them. Presence. The thing is, as God fills you and powers you, right, it comes out just naturally. You just want to connect with people, share and talk with people. Amen. So what is the key? The empowering Holy Spirit. You see this in the life of John Wesley. On that night, May 24th, 1738, they're sitting in a meeting, or more even actually a religious society meeting in Aldersgate Street in London. And that's why that day is called Aldersgate Day, ever since then in Methodist okay, history. John Wesley felt his heart strangely warm. He felt an anointing of God coming upon him that set him on fire after him. No longer the same person, fearful like crazy anymore, pressing on to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So friends, that's the first thing we and I need. And I want to pray for you afterwards, those of us who are fearful, anxious, concerned, all right, about sharing Jesus. Really, we all need the baptism of the Spirit of God. 
which will increasing friends releases satisfied to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The second thing, friends, that is important is to be intentional and take initiative. Isn't it? And this is what Apostle Paul writes to us in Ephesians 5 and in verse 15, where Paul says, be very careful how you live, not as wise, but as unwise. Sorry, no, not as unwise, but as wise. Isn't it? Okay? That we won't be wise people. And friends, you know, wise people are always very intentional. Hello? Wise people are always very strategic in whatever they do. Anywhere they go, everywhere they go, they want to make sure that they want to maximize their time, maximize opportunities, maximize whatever that God has given to them, which is, I think, so very important uh, for all of us, isn't it? So, so important for all of us. And so what happens, for example, once Doris and I, we were flying to Moscow, Russia, for me to speak at a conference of Russian pastors and bishops. In the first sector of flight from Kuala Lumpur, Dubai, before we changed plane to fly onwards to Moscow, all right, at the Kuala Lumpur International Airport, the plane was packed full of passengers, except one empty seat next to where we were seated. And then this guy came through as a last passenger into the plane, into the economy section. And you know what? This guy is really, very strongly built, really very muscular. And you know what, friends? Muscular people like to wear sleeveless T-shirts. Hello? To show off the muscles. Oh, a really amazing bouncing muscles. As he was walking through economy section, all right, okay, and I saw him winding his way to the empty seat. You see, economy section, center portion of five rows, stuck right in the middle is the empty seat. And I saw him winding his seat in. There. I told Doris, you take the aisle seat, I'll sit next to him. And finally, when he sat down, he was huffing and puffing away, very upset, very angry. What a lousy airline. I've been wondering about this. See what a lousy seat. After he come a little bit, I say, hi. All right, uh, uh, my name is Daniel. What's your name? Julian. <laughs> Not very happy to speak. Friends, in the process of talking with him, I found out that he was eight to ten times all England karate champion. Wow. Not only that, at that point in time when I talked to him, he says he's got three children. Daughter, 26 son 21, the youngest one, son 19. All three children, they're all old England karate champions in their age groups. Friends, I became very careful in talking with him. <laughs> because one punch, okay, my nose will be gone. You know what I mean? Halfway to the flight. Halfway to the flight. 39,000 feet above sea level. Julian was tearing away. He was in tears. Julian was world karate champion in 2013 in his age group. Imagine, friends, world karate champion can cry one. I told him, Julian, you know, God has touched you. God has touched you. And if you like to, I want to pray for you to trust in Jesus. Is it okay? He looked up. He said, okay, Ken. Then I led him to faith in Christ. All right, what a joy, what a blessing, what a privilege. Friends, right, you and I just have to be intentional. All right, just take initiative. Of course, you could be rejected. All right, okay. Uh, all right, but you know what? All the stories I tell you are success stories. Lah. You know why? Because I'm a marketing strategist. <laughs> yeah, because I tell you rejection stories. Forget, I'm not going to share anymore. No, I'm smart, I'm clever. I tell you my success stories. I've got tons of success stories. Of course, tons of failure stories as well. But listen, put it aside, isn't it? Jesus himself faced opposition. Hello? Jesus was called by all kinds of names. Samaritan, demon-possessed, out of your mind. Right now. But he carried on. He never gave up. He pressed on. Likewise, John Wesley as well. He faced huge amount of opposition. You know that? All right? After his oldest experience in 1738, he started preaching. He started first preaching open air. Never in his mind could he entertain about preaching in the open air. Preaching must always be done in the four walls of the church and salvation can only take place in the four walls of the church. That's his belief. And he wrote as in his, actually, okay, in his, uh, in his uh, diary, all right? But you know, it was George Whitfield who ate in horn. Come on, come to Bristol see for yourself what it's like to preach in the open air. Because George Whitfield preached to 30,000 in Bristol. Say, come. And John Wesley said, wow, like that one. Uh, he tried it. For the first time he preached open air, 3,000 people turned out. Many were touched by the Lord. That changed John Wesley completely. But what happens? He receive opposition. The Bishop of Bristol, Anglican Bishop of Bristol, at John Wesley, Anglican minister, called him in. John Wesley, the Reverend John Wesley, you have no business to preach, okay, here in, in Bristol. Get out. 
And John Wesley said this to the Anglican Bishop of Bristol, Sir, Lord Bishop, the world is my parish. Not just Oxford, I need to go back to. The whole world is my parish. John Wesley pressed on, and we thank God for him. Pressed on in spite of opposition. You know, in so many places, John Wesley went to preach. You know, because there's a short man, he's only about five feet two, five feet three, about my height, that kind of thing, like that, at my ear. He would take a stool, he would stand on a stool or a soapbox, right, in a town square, anywhere, everywhere, any place, every place he could find, he would just preach the gospel. You know what happens? He was not received well. People throw stones at him. People throw tomatoes and throw eggs at him. That's the kind of opposite he faced for almost 50 years before things begin to turn around. Friends, but he was willing. And so he get pelted with stones and regularly. At one point in his ministry, for two weeks, he was not attacked at all. So he wondered to himself, he's riding on the horse, God, I must have backslided. That's why I'm not attacked. You know what? He got down from his horse, knelt down by the side to pray, Lord, something must have happened. I think I've gotten called back. How come nobody attacked me? As he was praying, bang, one stone hit his head. He said, thank God, I'm okay, God. He got my horse and he rode off. That's, you know, the founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley. Amazing guy. Very intentional. All right, always take initiative. Anywhere, everywhere. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, you know, thirdly, you and I must turn every opportunity or occasion to an opportunity to share Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere. Listen. And this instruction of Apostle Paul to all of us, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Every opportunity. Turn it friends, into times of sharing Jesus, into occasions to share Jesus, which is something so important for all of us. Listen. Another time, Doris and I we were flying to Cairo, Egypt, for me to preach in this church called Casa Dubara. Amazing church. The largest in the whole of Middle East. Today is 7,000 strong. Amazing, amazing church. In the first sector, from Kuala Lumpur, Abu Dhabi, we, okay, we overnighted with a Malaysian friend working there. Next morning, before our friend sent us to the airport to fly off to Cairo. He said, Daniel Doris, I'd like to take you to the presidential palace. Oh, I thought to myself, my goodness, you mean we ordinary people can go to the presidential palace? He said, yeah. He says, it used to be the palace belonged to Emil or Sultan Abu Dhabi. What happened? He has turned it over to the state government. And the state government has turned it to a six-star hotel. Oh, I thought, six-star, come, let's go, why not? So we went, walked around, Mike, everything is big and huge including the dome there, up there in the hotel, coated in gold. Everything is, even the chair is so big, if you sit in, you have difficulties getting out, right? Anyway, on the way out, I told Doris, let's use the toilet, because at least the toilet is free of charge. Hello? Hey, clever Malaysians, right now. Anything free, go for it, right now. So she went to the ladies, I went to the gents. After I did what I needed to do, I walked over the pick to pick up a paper napkin to dry my hands. You know what happens? There is hotel staff in very smart uniform based in a toilet just to keep the toilet clean, right, for the comfort of guests. So I said, thank you so much. But making sure the hotel is kept clean for the comfort of all of us guests who come okay, into this place. As I walk close to him as I receive the paper napkin from him. I said, thank you. What's your name, by the way? And there's a tag there, Mantakali. I said, good to meet you, Mantakali. I said, how long have you worked here? He said, six months. I said, you must really enjoy working here. He says, no. I said, why not? He says, I miss my family. Really? Where are you from? Montreal, India. Which part of India? Chennai. Of course, I've been there several times. Great city. All right. I said, Montreal, my name is Daniel Ho. All right. From Malaysia. I'm a pastor from Malaysia. You are very special. Out of seven billion people, God sent a pastor meet in a toilet. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Not often you get to meet a pastor in a toilet, right? I say, very special. God sent me here to meet you in her toilet. So, you know, I shared Jesus with him. And then I challenged Mandakali, will I accept Jesus or not? I want to pray for blessings upon you, for your family. But before that, if you let to accept Jesus, I want to pray. Is it okay? You know what he said? He said, okay. So if I say, great, Mandakali, only Jesus, no other gods, okay? You know why? Because in Hinduism, they believe in 330 million gods. So adding one more Jesus, we've got a problem. <laughs> right now. I said, only Jesus. So I led him in the prayer. All right, there and there. Okay? How many of you, you want to meet my friend Mandakali in heaven one day? See your hands. How many of you? 
Oh, I like you all here, Trinity Church. I like all the people of faith. You know what? I share this story with my church, DMC. Okay, you know, Sunday service, over a thousand people. You know how many hands went up? Only three hands went up. I like your Trinity, your people of faith. So many people want to meet my friend, Mandakali in heaven. You know what happens? One day, when Mandakali sees me in heaven, he will run towards me, slap me hard on the shoulder and say, Hey, brother, you recognize me? I looked at him. No, la, sorry. I talked to so many people around the world. No, la, I don't recognize. He said, hey, brother, brother, Mandakali, Mandakali, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi. Of course, of course, I remember now. You know what he might just say to me? Brother, I want to let you know, that was the best toilet experience in my whole life. <laughs> what does it mean? It shows to us, friends, can I say? Evangelism works, even in a toilet. And Bandakali wasn't the first person I led to faith in Christ in a toilet. I led someone else to faith in Christ in DMC toilet. So some people ask, Pastor, what do you do in a toilet? Sharing Jesus, of course. <laughs> right. Seize all opportunities. Anywhere, everywhere. Isn't it? And ladies, you got unfair advantage because you all spend longer time in the toilet. <laughs> because you never know. Sometimes in a queue. You never know who are there lining up, right? Even after church, people are you never know. Right now, connect with them. Sometimes you can make a difference in a person's life. You never know. I say once I was actually SS2 area. How many of you, you love laksa? Asam laksa, see your hands. Wow, your opinion, asam laksa is amazing, it's amazing, astonishing. So once I was in SS2, lining up there, joined the buy laksa from this well-known famous laksa store. You know what is the name laksa store? It's called Hallelujah, Laksa store. <laughs> right. With that name, show me money one. Right. You know why? Because the owner came to faith in Christ. And after he came to faith in Christ, he decided to change the name of his Laksa store to Hallelujah, Laksa store. So I was there queuing up. Okay? And then it was drizzling very lightly. I was holding my umbrella. You know? And you know what? Long queue of us waiting. So I was there holding an umbrella. Okay? And you know what? The guy in front of me with an umbrella, I tap on his shoulder. I say, excuse me, can I share with you? Wow, oh, he was so happy, so happy, rejoicing. You know what happens, friends? I now got a captive audience. Be this guy. <laughs> share Jesus with him. And discover he can only speak Hokkien. Oh, Chamla, Chamla, how do I share Hokkien with him? But then we thick skin, go ahead now. Right now, amen. It's very, very important. It's like in our Chinese church. All right, in the early days of our Chinese church, I preached... At the end, I gave altar call. Those who like to accept Jesus, put up your hands. All right? And what happens right at the back, I saw one senior gentleman put up his hands. All right? To want to accept Jesus. I looked closer. Actually, it wasn't he who put up. The son pushed up his hand to accept Jesus. <laughs> and then I say, those who put up hands, give you come forward. So the son led the father forward for me to pray for them, a few of them in front. When it came to pray for this senior gentleman, before I could pray for him, the son leaned over to me and said, Pastor, my father only, stands Hokkien, only understands Hokkien. What charmler, charmler, charmler. How do I pray Hokkien? You know what? I marshal up my limited Hokkien. I said, Ching ho, ching ho, uncle. You follow after him. One sentence by sentence. I said, once you follow after him. He said, I said, Okay, Lord Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. Today I want to say, what's the joy I'm a sinner. You died on a cross for my sin. You forgive me my sin. You come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give me joy, peace, and hope. Fill my heart with the Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen. In your name I pray. Amen. Halfway through the prayer, the son started to cry. You know what happens, friends? I became quite impressed with my little Hokkien. <laughs> Instead of father crying, the son started to cry. Friends, what is the key? The key is just be thick skin. No amen. Okay. <laughs> just go ahead and do it. And you never know, friends. You never know how God is going to work through powerfully, wonderfully. Isn't it? So friends, can I say, turn every occasion Opportunity to share Jesus, very important. And when people come to faith in Christ, what must we do? Friends, all right, before that, of course, offer the invitation or challenge. When you share Jesus, don't stop there only. But offer invitation or challenge. Say to the person, would you like to?
to accept Jesus in the life of Lord and Savior. You know what I mean? You never know. Sometimes, of course, they say, no, thank you very much. It's okay. Don't get offended. Don't get put off. Right now. People turn, it's okay. Right now. Then, you know what happens? If they turn you down, just say to that person, is it okay I pray for you? Yeah. Can I pray a prayer of blessings? You know, this is something we all can do. Now, which fellow does want blessings from God? Every Chinaman, clever ones, will want blessings from God, isn't it? So therefore, offer your blessings to, to pray for that person, which is, I think, very important for all of us, isn't it? All right? And just see what, what God is going to do. And then, friends, you know what happens? When a person comes to faith in Christ finally, all right, make sure the discipleship process must begin as soon as possible to help the person for integrating the life of Trinity Church, for example, or your small group or whatever. Very, very important for all of us. So let me close with a final challenge for all of you. What is the final challenge? Okay, which is it? That in the next 12 months, I'd like to lead how many persons or persons to faith in Christ by the grace of God and see that person persons being discipled in the fellowship of believers in, for example, Trinity Church here. All right? Can I challenge you to think about it? To put a number, and so in the next 12 months, how many would I lead to faith in Christ? Can I challenge you, all of you to do that? Think about it, friends. Even if everyone of you will put just one, that in the next 12 months, I trust by God's grace, I will lead one person to faith in Christ, every one of you here. You know what is going to happen to Trinity Church? Trinity Church will not have enough seats for people who come. And if every year you do this, Trinity doubles every year, which is explosive growth, isn't it? Can I challenge you that? Even, friends, can I say, even if you lead one to faith in Christ in two years, what happens to Trinity Church here? It grows by 50%, which is phenomenal growth right now. And sometimes our churches are hardly growing. Why is that? Because it is not sharing Jesus with people around. All right, so different from what John Wesley did. So different from the early days of the Methodist movement. It was exploding like crazy at the height of the Methodist movement. One in every seven in the UK is a Methodist follower of Christ. All right, is a follower of Jesus Christ after the tradition of John Wesley. Friends, you know, we have really not been doing our job. If I'm much younger, I'm going to start the church like this. Okay, which is what? First year, I'm going to lead one to faith in Christ and then disciple that guy. The next year, two of us, each one of us lead one to faith in Christ. How many now? Four of us. I disciple all three. The year after, four of us, each one of us lead one to faith in Christ, becomes eight. I disciple all seven. And so therefore, going with this kind of simple mathematics, first year is two, second year is four, third year is eight, then 16, then 32, 64. How many years will it take to win a world today of eight billion people to faith in Christ? How many years will it take? If you know the answer, There'll be free lunch for you with our brother Tan Chong Jing. <laughs> yeah. See, I asked this question around the whole world. And I preached in 40 countries in all six continents. All right, all across Asia, Africa, Europe, Britain, North, South America, Australia, New Zealand. You know what, friends? So far, one young man in China, Shenzhen, in a church of not even 200 people I preached to. Within 20 seconds, this young Chinese guy put up his hand. Within 20 seconds, brilliant guy worked out in his, in his brain. He put up his hand. He said, Pastor Daniel, when you do like this, when you hit 30 years, you touch 1 billion people. 31 years, 2 billion. 32 years, 4 billion. 33 years, you are home. I said, young man, spot on. But sorry, no lunch for you. Friends, you know, in 33 years, you yourself, starting with yourself, can begin a global movement and change the whole world. Jesus Christ says 2,000 years ago, Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is plentiful. But he also says in John chapter 4, the harvest is ripe. 2,000 years later, we are far, far from finishing the job. You know that? One day when we see Jesus, there's much to confess and repent. Much to ask Him to forgive us for each one of us not doing the job of leading at least one person to faith in Christ. Sometimes I ask a person, how many years have you worked in a company? Five years. How many people have you led to faith in Christ? Zero. I say, how can? You work for five years, you have not led a single person to faith in Christ? How can? What does the gospel mean to you? What does salvation in Christ mean to you? It's the most important thing. It's, it's, it's most important, most powerful, the most wonderful thing. How can we don't share the most important, most wonderful, most powerful? 
Friends, there's inconsistency in our life, in our discipleship, in the outworking of our faith, you know. So I want to challenge you, put a number in. Whatever number, I don't care. Just put a number in. It's okay. I want to pray for you. All right? Before I pray for you, let me share one more story. Is it okay? You're such wonderful, fine people. All right? One more story for all of you. Is it okay? All right? I was invited to our Golden Club many years ago for the third anniversary. This Golden Club made of senior citizens. All right? They invited me to go and celebrate that evening. I said, sure. So it was in a home. All right, in PJ, we went to to celebrate that evening. Then at the end of the wonderful celebration, when most people have left, I said to the lady who opened up the home, knowing that her husband is not a Christian, I said, is Mr. Wong around? She said, yeah. I said, where is he? Upstairs. Can I meet him and thank him? Because I said, surely your husband must agree for the opening up of your home. You cannot just simply open up there. All right, so can I thank him? He said, Pastor, no, 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 no. Okay, and the daughter who was back at that time, all right, uh, from Glasgow doing her PhD in pharmacy, brilliant girl. All right, she was so happy to be back on holiday. She said, Pastor, no, no, no. I said, don't worry. Okay, we, I'm not going to share Jesus uh, with your father. I just want to thank him only. I said, sure not. I said, sure one. So she went upstairs, talked to, the, talked to the father, and then as she was walking down the staircase of the double-story house, as she was coming down there, she said to me like this, Pastor, Pastor, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, I thought, what kind of man am I going to meet now? Oh, like that one. So I saw him walking down the staircase just before, friends, you know, the last step, before I stepped down to the ground, last step, I reached out my hand and I said, hello, Mr. Wong. Okay, I'm Daniel Ho. Okay, hello, Mr. Wong. Okay, and I'm a pastor of the church. You know what happens? For the next 25 minutes, he attacked me left, right, and center. Uh, no, not physically, thank God, but verbally, all right? All kinds of nasty words came up from his mouth. Okay. I told him, Mr. Wong, it looks like you have been very deeply hurt by some Christians. I don't know who they are. Can I, on, the, on their behalf, apologize to you? You know what he said to me when I said that? None of your business. Who oh, are that kind of men also God? Okay, I said, no, Mr. Wong, you know, I'm a pastor. I don't know who they are. All right? These are some bad apples. Okay, and on behalf, apologize. Mr. Wong, these are some bad apples. You know, there are many good apples you have not met. They are all found in Trinity Methodist Church. Hey, no, no amen. Uh. Hello? All right, now. Hey, you're not convinced you're good apples. Uh. Okay, at least they found in DMC, uh, like Pastor Victor Wong, like that with me. Right, now. Yeah, you know, hey, See, some people, because of some bad experiences, they write off the whole thing, write off even the Christian faith. I say, you do that, you're not smart. You never make life decisions about your future, about whole eternity, on the basis of a few bad experiences. You're a smart guy. How can you do that kind of stuff? You don't do that kind of stuff. Get a good amen for that. You know what, friends? After that, on the way out, he tapped me on my shoulder. He said, thanks for coming. Oh, I couldn't believe my ears. A few, few minutes they attacked me like left, right, and crazy. There was no, okay, Daniel could support me. I was almost going to topple over. Now he's thanked me for coming. You know, friends, I refused to let him go. I worked and worked for the next 11 months, eventually led him to faith in Christ. <laughs> and you know what? Eventually it started coming. And when he came to UMC, he would always sit outside. Never come and join because we are close to TV outside. I was there. Slowly, slowly, start joining us. And now, wow, hallelujah, sing like crazy, lift up his hands, that kind of stuff. So I told Mr. Wong, you know, last time when we first met, you talked to me like that, you know. Nah? He said, Am I that bad? I said, You're terrible, Mr. Wong. <laughs> and what happens was, the daughter, we came back, finished our PhD, came back, got married for several years, could not have children. One year, one Sunday, I was preaching at UMC. And I said, I just said, said, God, you don't do something. For those who couldn't have children, come for we want to pray for you and believe God for that. And I saw Puyi and Derek came forward for prayer. I said, okay, slipped down, went to both of them. Mr. Wong's daughter, Puyi, and the son-in-law. All right, after several years, couldn't have children. I lay hands and pray right over them. I said, you know what? Puyi, Derek, this time next year, God is going to give you a child. And indeed, Elizabeth came along the year after. Today, Elizabeth is five years old. Amen. God is good, amen. So I told Mr. Wong, you must thank me for life forever and ever. Because not only I let you the faith in Christ, I give you one granddaughter somehow. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor. God is good, and all God's people say. And all the time, God is? 
God is good, isn't it? Come, let us pray. While with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to extend this challenge to you all. As I said just now, the challenge is this, friends. Set a number. Whatever the number, it does not matter. But just set a number. It could be just one. Imagine what is going to happen to TMC if you do that. It will explode. Isn't it? All right? The world outside is looking for help, for hope, and for the future. We've got the best answer. The answer for life here and for all of eternity there. All right? How can we not share? We have got this greatest of all news and following the life and the lifestyle of John Wesley, who gave himself totally to the preaching of the gospel. Friends, let us do it as well. It is not numbers for numbers' sake, my friend, because behind every number is a precious life Jesus died for. So if they're precious to God, they must be precious to us. As you set a number, can I ask you all to stand? I want to pray for all of us. Can we all stand? Set a number, we're going to pray for you all. And then after I'm going to pray for anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us all. The filling, baptism, empowering the Holy Spirit to enable us, okay, to fulfill God's call upon our lives, the joy, the blessing. I came from a Buddhist background. When it came to faith in Christ, 52 years ago, it changed my life completely. Right, so much of that's why I give up my engineering to become a pastor. It is so, so good indeed, knowing Jesus, isn't it? It's so important indeed. All right, and if I may, can I ask you to raise up a hand like this, okay? Because this is a wonderful posture, a posture of humility. God loves a humble person, but also a posture of receptivity. When you receive from God what He wants to give to us, it's okay? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for these, my precious brothers and sisters. You know who they are, you know where they are. Right now, Father, I pray, oh God, the numbers they have set in their heads, you know it all because you're all-knowing God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, God, right now, you seal it deep in every heart, every life, oh God, and bring these numbers to pass, Father, I pray. Lord, I pray you take away any reservation, any concern, any anxiety, oh God, any shyness, any excuse, anything whatsoever. Take it away in Jesus' name. I bind, I break, and I loosen these things in Jesus' name. Father, I pray, oh God, and the Spirit of God, come right now. Fill each and every one with your power of your Spirit, oh God. Holy Spirit, come upon every one of these precious brothers and sisters. Fill them, empower them, release them, and set them free, Father, I pray, to be able to share Jesus. And they with the joy, everyone here with the joy of leading at least one person to faith in Christ. I pray by your grace in the next 12 months, maybe even more as well, Father, I pray. So that indeed Trinity Church will never ever be the same again, Father, I pray. So bless this church, oh God, on this Pentecost Sunday, on this Aldersgate Sunday, Father, I pray, and glorify your name in and through Trinity, oh God. And that Trinity will march on, fulfill your call upon its life. Your call, oh God, upon all they want to fulfill, Father, I pray. And everyone never the same again, Father, I pray. So glorify your name, bless every family, bless everyone in the work. In their studies, in their responsibilities, oh God. So the newfound faith, newfound joy, newfound, oh God, I pray for excitement about you and the things of yours. Glorify your name, Father, I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. All you wonderful people say, Amen, Amen. Would you give a clap offering to Jesus? Amen, Amen. Church, let's sing together.